0: Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 and welcome to Oilers Live Tuesday. We've got a special, uh, a special event for you tonight. We've got the voice of the Edmonton Oilers needs very little introduction on our fan base, uh, Mr. Jack Michaels. Thanks for joining, Jack. How we doing, fellas? We are doing great. Cool. I lost my liquor license, Jack. <laughs> you lost your liquor license?
1: I don't know whether to cry or wind my watch. We got Jack Michaels on the show. Why are you uh,
2: telling me you lost your liquor license after I agreed to do the show?
1: I thought but, I'd quote the great Mike, L- Mike Lang for you on my, uh, on my way in.
2: Oh, all right. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'm off my
1: rocker. I'm pretty excited.
2: Proper
0: deal. That's all. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Uh great to have you Jack and uh, of course we've got uh my co-host tonight Mr. Dash in the park. Welcome again. Uh Jack, I know we got uh, limited time with you tonight uh and uh following the second half of our show we've also got AJ Hayflee from uh DNVR talk about the Colorado Avalanche. Uh but let's start uh, let's start with you Jack and lots, you know, we've, we've had, um, yeah, this off season, I think every year seemingly gets a little bit more exciting when you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, it felt like a bit of a, I've been saying this all off season. I said, it's felt like a bit of a quiet off season for the Oilers, but it's been anything but quiet. And it's been kind of exciting. Do you think this is, um, in your estimation, I mean, like, every year is it just getting more exciting as we lead up to what we believe is going to be a Connor mcdavid cup well i mean i i think
2: i think you can firmly say that edmonton is in the group of seven or eight contenders with a realistic shot at a stanley cup entering the season i i think you know it's it's certainly the second consecutive year you can say that i i felt like edmonton had a strong push in in 21 that you know, was mitigated a little bit by the fact there wasn't, you know, a true home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. That was just a weird year. But I, I definitely think, you know, anytime you go to a conference final, you instantly stamp yourself as a legitimate threat. You come back the next year and you crawl into the top six overall in the league. And, you know, you, you found a, a very resilient Vegas club that found a way to beat you. Uh, they found a way to beat you by one point in the regular season over 82 games, and they found a way to to beat you when you had them, you know, up two one in game five late in the second period. I mean, you know that for for many people they've forgotten that that the Oilers were about 25 minutes away from being up three two in that series going back to Edmonton, and they of course then become the prohibitive favorite to represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final. And, you know, who knows, obviously. I, I, I think, having said that, you, you still didn't win it. But I think it does say that you're here, you're in the mix, and if things break right for you, I, I don't think there's a team right now that's a heavy favorite. I mean, that's the other thing that's happened right now with Edmonton's ascension it's coincided in in my estimation with you know kind of the the demise of the consistent super team you don't have a, a chicago or la that you know is going to be one or the other is going to be there every year uh you know i think even as they were compiling that record the sense was that boston was putting everything together Correctly in one year, but it wasn't necessarily a sustainable situation the way Tampa's reign was. And Tampa's reign is now coming to a close. So I think you know, the combination of Edmonton's ascension with the fact that the one team where maybe you thought, all right, they're young enough to be a perennial favorite for year in years in, years out, well, that didn't materialize when, you know, Gabe Landeskog wasn't able to return to action. I mean, Colorado was the one team that you're thinking, okay, they could be here for a while. And, and don't get me wrong, they're still a legitimate threat, but they don't have their captain. So it's a combination of Edmonton arriving as a perennial contender and the fact that, you know, I think if you look at last year's champion, I, I don't think you'd say Vegas was a dominant champion. They were a worthy champion. In my mind, there's a difference. And what I mean by that is going into this season, Edmonton is one of about six or seven favorites, none of whom I think you'd say is a overwhelming favorite to represent either conference in the Stanley Cup final.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it sure seems that way, right? And I, I think that Landeskog piece is is key and we're going to have AJ Hefeley on of course later talk about that and and other things about the Colorado Avalanche. When you look at this team, I mean, what do you think? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the Jackson signing, maybe it's Connor Brown. What is it that makes the difference that this year people seemingly have this real feeling that this is Edmonton's year. I mean, you've that- obviously that- lost a few
2: I really don't. I think it's the I think it's the thought process that you know like Washington I mean for that matter like Pittsburgh 16 17 like Washington like St. Louis like Tampa like Colorado like Vegas this is now going to be Edmonton you know depending on how you want to rate it if you want to include 17 fine if you don't this is still going to be their third or fourth legitimate kick at the can as a real favorite, you know, as a real contender to be in the final. And and I include 21, even though, you know, even though that was a weird year, I think, you know, going into that, you you thought Edmonton had had as much of a chance to come out of the Canadian division as anyone. I mean, the way they finished the season and the perceived and ultimately correct you know, perception of vulnerability on the part of the Leafs, the only team to finish ahead of Edmonton that year. It didn't happen. Uh, There was some growing pains, obviously, as they, you know, overcame a deficit and ultimately, you know, beat L.A., survived a wild battle of Alberta to get to a conference final, overcame another deficit to beat L.A. again. You know, I mean, they're down three goals, you know, in a game where, you know, they could be down 3-1 against L.A. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, just as we can't forget how close Edmonton came to upending Vegas, we also can't forget how close the Oilers were to being out in the first round, and then who knows what happens, right? There might have been more seismic changes than just Jeff Jeff Jackson added to the hockey operations department. But that's the league right now. You know, I mean, who's to say if Colorado does survive Seattle even? Who's to say Colorado doesn't, you know, make some noise? I mean, I I, I wouldn't have necessarily, you know, picked Dallas over Colorado if Colorado gets through Seattle, right? Like, so there, the, that's the league right now. It, it's very close. Uh, you know, Florida upends Boston. If Boston survives that, if Brad Marchand scores on the breakaway, maybe the Bruins steamroll roll their way to the cup and maybe – excuse me maybe they decide to bring it all back and do it again right this year instead they're going to be going through a you know a significant adjustment with no captain on their end i mean that's the thing is you look at two of the top teams in the league last year boston and colorado they're not gonna have their captain now the avalanche didn't have their captain last year so maybe the offseason will allow them to kind of sort themselves out but Again, I think very similar to the last two years, Colorado and Edmonton are the first two teams to come to mind you know vegas Vegas is aging right I, I, you know i I mean they're the defending champions, and they earned it last year, but they're an aging champion, and you know, I don't know whether the goaltender mm-hmm. by committee will work, but again, that's the league right now because when you look at Edmonton. You can still poke some of the same holes, depth on defense, what's going to be the goaltending situation that you could last year. And that's what's exciting about this league right now. There is no team that you're like, well, they're going to be there for sure. I feel like Edmonton is going to be in the top eight for sure. I think the Oilers will look at anything other than a trip to the Stanley Cup final as a disappointment. When you get to that stage, that's why people's expectations are high. It's because they've been there, they've proven themselves as a worthy contender. I'm not, you know, diminishing what, you know, bringing in Connor Brown and adding some depth up front means, but in my mind the fact that Edmonton's been there, the fact that their leaders acknowledge the fact that this is a Stanley Cup year or bust, that's what sets the expectations, not, you know, another off-season acquisition. The Oilers have already done that. They've already brought in, you know, Evander Kane and Zach Hyman. They've got some legitimate threats behind McDavid and Dreisaitl right now. They've got Matthias Ekholm to give them a little bit more depth on defense. Ultimately, though, they're going to have to play better as a unit defensively, and they're going to have to get some saves to survive May and advance to June.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'll ask you one more question here, Jack, and then Dash has got a couple of questions for you, more about your inspiration, uh, you know, as the voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Quickly, you know, you've been around this team now since uh, 2010, uh, but these, these last runs have been somewhat special for Oilers fans as well as the Oilers themselves. Like, have you noticed in that time, I mean, you talk about it right now, but have you noticed like a big change? I mean, every year we keep saying to ourselves, but Connor McDavid's had enough next year. He's going to come out and he's going to will, will this team to a a cup. And he certainly willed his way to the top of the scoring race last year. Um, but do you see, do you see a noticeable difference in this core, uh, just from a mental standpoint, is that something you've noticed or can you, you know, is it just a professional thing?
2: saying the more of a kind of the adult maturation, I mean, Leon and Connor are now adults. I mean, they've they've got lives. You know, Connor just got married. You know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins now has a young family. Darnell Nurse has a young family. They're just more seasoned adults. They're not, you know, and I'm not saying every hockey player under 25 is going home to play video games, but there's there's a certain maturation, there's a certain connectivity that I feel with those players as they've gotten deeper and deeper into adulthood. I think, you know, you relate a little bit more to these athletes. And I'm not trying to say that I have, you know, deep, meaningful, personal relationships with that core. Because I I don't. I mean, there's definitely a a separation and there always will be and there should be. Uh, This is not 1950 anymore. You're not, you know, on the train and you're not going over to people's houses. In most cases. I mean, you know, some some broadcasters, some journalists have uh, those kind of relationships with athletes. I, I don't happen to have one of those. But I can tell you there's just a – I find when I talk to them now, they come off as more well-rounded human beings as much as anything. Uh, not that they weren't before, but they've just gotten – you know, like like everyone, they've just got more comfortable in their own skin. Uh, they're more aware of of you know other things going on in the world because they have other things going on in the world. They're not just responsible for themselves anymore. They have significant others. Uh, in some cases, they have children now, so that brings a, a bit of a a, a different perspective. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's, we all go through it, right? I mean, I was the same way when I was 24, 25, you know, I, I didn't have a care in the world and, and you just, uh, that's what I sense more than anything else. Just a a certain perspective, a quiet determination, uh, an understanding of what's expected and not what's expected by external sources. But I think they realize that you know, we have given ourselves a chance here. We've we've got to figure it out. We've got to find a way across the finish line. So from an athletic perspective, they're now in that kind of, they've got their contracts, they've established themselves as significant figures in the game. Now they're looking, you know, for the Stanley Cup. And, and that's really the last, you know, thing on their ledger. And I think they're comfortable with that. They they're okay with that. They know that that's the last hurdle. And I think, you know, part of that knowledge, part of that acknowledgement is just wisdom and having been through the ringer, not just as an athlete, but as a person.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for that. And, uh, and before we lose you tonight, I'm just going to pass you over to dash. I'll say, thanks Jack for uh, joining us. Uh, this is the, second time on Oilers live and the fourth time on the heavy hockey network. And we really appreciate you giving time to uh, all of us out here in the hockey community. You can see in the comments and everything, everybody loves hearing from you and seeing, seeing you. And then of course we appreciate your calls. Um, uh, You go ahead.
2: Your summer. Pardon me, Jack. I said, "You bet, pal!" And I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. Now, Dash, what do you got for me?
1: What do you got? <laughs> I, uh, I, I know that I also uh, have seen you around town, and you've been gracious with your time. And we've spoke at the Sin Bin, and you know, I, it's not just uh, on the podcast that you're gracious. So uh, that's appreciated all around. Uh, I brought him up earlier. It'll be two years tomorrow that the Hall of Fame
2: uh, Living penguin in the park and. And I, I try to support local whenever possible. So, uh, you know, Mike and his crew. And, and you know what? Sherwood Park's been great to me. I mean, I, it's, not, it's not anything I have to commit to. And, I, you know, I, I mean, I just, uh, it's, a, it's a community. The, the Edmonton area as a whole, you got to understand, I mean, I came here never having set foot in this province before in my life. And I came here with two very young children and it's uh you know it's it's quickly become home i mean i i don't you know you don't really i mean at least i don't i i don't think of the place where i lived until i was what 23 as home anymore i mean i i've lived more than half my life elsewhere so i don't think of myself as as a western pennsylvania guy anymore uh i've lived here 13 years this is my 14th season with the old oilers and and i'm uh I'm quite grateful that Edmonton and park has taken me in the way they have.
1: Yeah, it's a great community. I love it here as well. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. It'll be two years tomorrow that the hall of fame announcer, Mike Lang announced his retirement after 50 years with the Pittsburgh penguins and 46 years behind the mic. Uh, they called him the king of the catchphrases, but I know (laughs) to you, he was much more than that. Um, to me, he was unmatched in his ability to be able to keep up with that penguins pace and still maintain that unique vernacular, Uh, For me, two-part question, Um, what kind of a role model and inspiration was Mike Lang to you um, as you got into hockey? And now that you've learned from him and, and, uh, I guess, get to call the plays for the fastest and most advanced player the NHL has ever seen, uh, how does that help you?
2: Well, I mean, you're exactly right in terms of keeping the pace. Mike Lang, you know, from a young age, I was amazed by his ability to rattle off you know, nine, ten minutes of uninterrupted play-by-play with, you know, highly cohesive phrases, everything woven together, uh, without a stumble, you know, nary a bobble. I mean, he was just fantastic. And and I, I get it. He's probably remembered for catchphrases. That's not what I remember him for. And I think, to some extent, those catchphrases obscured how good he was at, at his craft, which was play-by-play. Uh, and, you know, he was he was a really kind person as well. I mean, just, uh, you know, a guy along with fellow Hall of Famers like Chuck Keaton and Bob Miller. I mean, these were the guys that I gravitated to when I first came into the league. I mean, Sam Rosen is still in the league.
0: You Doc know,
1: Emmerich.
2: Yeah, Doc Emmerich. I mean, these are legendary Hall of Fame guys. You know, Doc in particular. Countless phone calls. You know, I mean... I've always found that that older generation I, I I really kinda aspire to be as generous in spirit as they were. Um I played golf with Chuck Caton uh this past fall and in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's great to see him. I, I mean I really kind of look up to them not for their hall of fame credentials as broadcasters but their hall of fame credentials as people i mean they were spectacular so that's really what i kind of aspire to or or when you talk about a role model i didn't know it at the time and i'm obviously uh impressed with the pace and and the standard he set as a broadcaster but really uh for me it's important to be that same type of guy to to guys coming into the league my own contemporaries Uh, And for that matter, the people that, you know, want to steal the odd uh, selfie or whatever in town is, is, you know, remember that it doesn't take a lot of effort to extend yourself for 30 seconds and, and be a decent person. And that's really more than anything, what that generation of hall of fame announcers, at least in the national hockey league has that that's where the bar has been set. And that's what I think is the most important thing, because, you know, who the best play-by-play guy is is quite subjective, but uh, it's very easy to draw the line about who's a good person and who could be a jackass.
0: Well, we're
1: all very uh, grateful for Mike Emmerich throwing his name down on your resume as a reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, I mean... We love to have you. <laughs> have
2: to do that. Are you kidding me? I was a minor league guy. I mean, you Lionel, know... Right? He took the time to, you know, make phone calls. I I remember, I remember one time he actually answered the phone and said, who am I calling today? And I mean, like, I mean, this is Doc Emmerich, who's answering the phone like, like, he didn't have to do that. And I, you know, Bob Miller, LA, I mean, there's, there's just so many, you know, quality people that, uh, you know, when I came into the league that were very kind and, and understood, What I didn't understand, really, was that, you know, I still had some learning to do. And, you know, I was coming to a new country, a new league, uh, had to learn a new culture. You know, Canada's different from the U.S. I I have to admit it. I mean, I had that Simpsons mentality of Canada's not being that big of a change and America Junior and all that stuff. I I did. I, I didn't know what I was getting into as far as, hey, this is a different country. This is a different land. A different set of values. And yeah. you know, if I'm gonna live in this country, I've gotta I've gotta get to know what, what makes these people tick. And and you know, as I did that, I mean, that's a struggle, right? Especially when you're not expecting it, especially when you don't know the differences. I mean, I, I, I mean, here's how ignorant I, as I was, I, I think my first night in Edmonton, I went up to the cash register at a fat burger with like an American, you know, twenty dollar bill. Like, are you <laughs> like you know, so anyways, I just shake my head at how naive I was, and I was in my thirties, so there was no excuse for it. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people around the league recognized what I did and and that it was a change, and that you know it was going to be different being the first American to call games for a Canadian team, and that might make an adjustment. And I just had a lot of people, not just here but around the league, that were extremely kind to me, and for that, I'm forever grateful.
1: That's fantastic. Well, uh, you know, we're approaching the time and I don't want to be disrespectful of that. So I'll have one more quick one and and then maybe a request if I can. Um, The question is this uh, and maybe it's more of a statement that you can just speak to Uh, ultimately, you know, it's, it's a fortunate situation uh, that we have you as the Oilers play-by-play announcer. I'm sure you find yourself in a fortunate, fortunate situation. Michael mentioned it earlier that, you know, as Oilers fans, we all feel that there's an inevitable, you know, cup, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, jinx anything here. And if there's anybody that's superstitious out there, I'm sorry, but we all have this belief that Connor's going to raise a cup. Um, (laughs) The last time you and I spoke, you told me that you're still stifling a few extra gears and and that you got another peak that you can ramp up to. And If that's all possible and you're saving that for the last few seconds of uh, game seven of the Stanley Cup how much thought have you given to the fact that you'll be the soundtrack and the narrative for how many Edmontonians best moment of their life?
2: <laughs> uh, not at all, really. Cause I'm going to uh-huh. be a very, you know, minute part of that. I- I'll be grateful to be a part of it, but I don't think of myself as the soundtrack or I don't, you know, I, I mean, I, it's very kind of you to kind of, suggest that perhaps i'm more important than i really am i mean ultimately i think i think edmontonians respect the fact that i live here that i've adopted this place as my home and i've become one of them and i think that would be true for anyone i mean i you know the one thing you learn in this business and in most businesses is that you're replaceable and you know, if something, God forbid happened to me, I hope it doesn't, but you know, if I wasn't here tomorrow, I'm sure the next person would come in and do a great job and earn that same kind of respect. And you know, the team is the thing is I I guess what I'm getting at. And the team is what's special. And so I don't have anything prepared. You know, you're right. I mean, I'll have an extra gear, but it's not like I'm it's not like I'm saving it or holding something back. I just know it'll come out organically because that's that's the way I've been cut. And uh, you know, I, I but I I am confident in the sense that you know some people out there think that you know I treat every game the same. You know, like it's game seven, <laughs> the final, and and I would just you know if I do have a quiet confidence about me, I would just gently suggest that. No, I'm quite capable of finding another gear. And so I'm not necessarily saving it, but I know it's there. And um, like you, I'm very optimistic uh, that that gear will be utilized in the near future.
1: Excellent. I certainly do hope you do get to that gear, and uh, no <laughs> jinxes there. But um, you are selling yourself a little bit short, Jack. I think you know you are the face of the Oilers. It's there in the in the comments beside us. Um, thank you for well, invoking I'm- that emotion in me.
2: Sorry, here you got to remember, I'm I'm playing to a crowd that probably. That probably digs me. I'm sure if we were in a different chat room, who knows what.
1: (laughs) I don't know. There's an LA fan on here saying you're tops in his book after that comment uh, there. With (laughs) that's
2: uh, very kind of him, and and I I do appreciate. I mean, I I just I guess what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is kind of make it about yourself. This team is what you know. When people come up to me and say great call, and I said, well, did you see the play? I mean. You know, it it's pretty easy to sound halfway decent when you got guys like ninety-seven and twenty-nine three <laughs> buzzing around, right? Like that's right. You know, it's not like I it's not like I'm c i am I mean, no disrespect, but I, I'm in a little bit different situation than maybe Doc was when he was calling games for those devils right. teams, right? You know, I mean <laughs> I'm calling games for a pretty electrifying hockey club with uh with some of the most talented people on the planet ever to play.
0: Jack, yeah, before yeah. we, uh, before we say goodnight, I just want to know, you know, are we at any risk of losing you to the blue Jays now after this, Tim Anderson, uh, Jose Ramirez fight? Uh, well, cause I, I hear they're looking for good play by play guys now.
2: Hamilton, the voice, the, <laughs> the voice of the Guardians. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I did see that. And uh, trust me, I think Dan Shulman can sleep well at night. He's a, uh, a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame person in his own right. I, I, you know, there's another guy. I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, guys in this industry who are well thought of, uh, Dan Schulman's another guy. If you're a, if you're a young broadcaster, you could do a lot worse than to follow in his tracks. But yeah, that was uh that was quite the right hand. I uh you know, I think when I was seven or eight, I, I threw a couple of those blind punches, but I didn't have the same results that uh Jose Ramirez did.
0: I think uh, you know, it would be a real treat if you could dub your call over over that uh... <laughs> I think well, everybody talk- would love to hear that fight.
2: In the very first game I did, and and this is one thing you do learn is, you know, and I'm not I'm not going to get super serious about it, but I I do remember dialing it back quickly when uh, McIntyre knocked out Evenins because very quickly it that went from, that was a heck of a punch to wow I really hope Evenins was okay and I I don't think he played more than a handful of games after that unfortunately that 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 punch. Yep short circuited his career. But uh, you know, it all joking aside, you you do have a lot of respect for the athletes to cover and as as, you know, kind of fun and uproarious as it is when when an Oiler gets an upper hand, you always wanna be respectful of that opponent because he's out there just yeah. as courageous as the other guy.
1: You bet. You would have had to ramp yourself down. That wasn't far after Jordan Eberly's first goal, if I'm not mistaken. I know.
2: that was that was one heck of a debut, huh? The Oilers won four nothing. Everly scored the goal of the year. Uh, McIntyre, who I think celebrated a birthday yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the KO. And I, I think uh, all of us left the rink that night uh, thinking the Oilers were going to go eighty two and zero.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, no doubt about it we'll let you get to uh, the rest of your night do me one favor i know the macho man is your favorite wrestler of all time you've got to do uh do me one and take his number one quote too hot to handle and too cold to hold and throw that on Connor mcdavid sometime this season okay <laughs>
2: well i'm more likely see i don't i don't think of that as macho man's signature i mean obviously there's the oh yeah but uh what I liked was when he had all those creams, the cream of the crop. That's the cream my... of the crop. Let's hear it. <laughs> Cheers, Good night, fellas. Jack.
0: Hey, thanks, Jack. Have a great one. And uh that's uh Mr. Jack Michaels. What legendary, now legendary, but uh amazing uh, voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh it's we've a shame got a I our... had to speak at all. Oh yeah. oh Jack's Jack's great and um we of course, he he spoke over his over his time. We've had a uh, programming change uh, in between. So for all you Avalanche fans, unfortunately, um, uh, AJ's dealing with something, so he can't uh, can't make it tonight. But he'll be back. Um, AJ's great. Uh, so I know um, if it's uh, you know he wouldn't bail if it was it wasn't serious. So we'll get him back. He's of course the beat writer for the Colorado Avalanche on uh Denver follow him anyway and and when we get him back you we can talk uh it's um would have been good to kind of hear what the um avalanche were up to so dash uh you and I are going to cover the rest uh here the the final uh 29 if you will good number and uh you know we'll chat uh, chat some Oilers hockey of course there's a couple things that uh, came up this um this week the Jackson signing is is one Uh, Just today, um, DFO, I think, is um, suggesting that uh, Brandon Sutter is going to get a uh, PTO with the Oilers. So we can talk about that. Uh, We can talk about Jackson. We can talk about uh, what I said I was hearing out there, which hasn't come to pass yet, but that's uh, Bouchard at two years times 3.9 million. uh, Oh, did you break that?
1: All right. I you're might nice.
0: have. Yeah. Stoffer has uh, confirmed. That's uh, what he's heard. Three between 3.8 and four. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and any, any other stories, uh, in the chat, if you want to talk some Oilers hockey, we'll talk about that. Let's, um, I know you're on, but we're, we're a little unprepared to be talking about, uh, some of these things, but we know what's, what's happening and what's out there. What do you think of this Jackson piece? What do you think that means for the Oilers going forward? Are you, uh, maybe I'll ask you, I mean, this is, um, you know, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is, well, it's McDavid's agent. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much locks him up as an Oiler for the career. You know, I, I'm always hopeful, of course, I want to be the positive guy, but um, you know, this, these are two sides of the coin, right? And uh, so, you know, McDavid's going to have a new agent. Maybe he's got a relationship, but he had a relationship with Ken Holland, too. Um, you know, what, what do you think this Jackson signing means for the Oilers? I mean, I
1: think there's completely two different sides of the coin on this, isn't there? Um, you and I were walking down a dock in Halifax about two days ago and had this conversation, so I think you know what my opinion is, and I'm not sure I should give my real opinion, but ultimately... You know, If you want an insurance policy, I guess, on trying to make sure Connor McDavid stays as an oiler, and that's the most important thing that you can ever do for the complete future of this franchise, and there's nothing else even close. I don't know. I I don't see why you don't do something like that. He's clearly got an incredibly good relationship with Connor, and I firmly believe that the rider dies. If if Connor's going to stay in Edmonton, then Dry is too, and you know, they will have that conversation. I know Dry expires first, but there's no doubt if Dry extends, Connor will as well. And there's nowhere else in the league that they can go to play with that guy. So I think they'll yeah, stay here and yeah. you know, I don't know. You can nod yes or no if you want me to discuss the other side of the coin. But no,
0: we'll we'll skip that piece. But I mean, everybody can connect the dots on that one. I, you know, I I look at this. You know, it, it's all positive, right? Anything you can do to potentially put Connor McDavid as yep. an Edmonton Oiler for the rest of his career is great. Yep. Keeping dry of course, is you know going to be the first step uh, to that. Um, to me, this, I mean, the Oilers lucked out by having, obviously, as Oilers fans, we know that they lucked out having dry sidle and McDavid. We've seen this before with other pairings in the league, right? Notably uh, Crosby and Malcolm right guys uh like they're connected any pictures you see on social media it's mcdavid and dry and so you know that's a that's a great thing i think a guy that understands you know the the player mentality like jackson uh even whether he's um mcdavid's uh was was mcdavid's um agent or not Mm -hmm. is just beneficial and then the other, yep. the other piece, uh, to that is, um, you know, you, you read nothing but respect for this guy and maybe to that connect the dots point, there are other people in the organization where that same respect just wasn't talked about openly, right? And with or, Jackson, or couldn't
1: be talked about or openly. Or couldn't be
0: talked about openly. Yeah. And so it's Jackson certainly yeah. has that, has that play, yeah. sure. um, Jay uh, says Jackson as CEO was a brilliant move. I think it helps the McDavid situation. Some stranger says, what do you guys know about Brandon Sutter? DM me, Jay. Yeah. You know, I mean, Sutter, he's been kind of around the league now. Last place was Vancouver, right? And, uh, you know, like he's he's actually played, uh, you know, he's hasn't played many full seasons. Mm-hmm. I do remember, I do remember him in Pittsburgh. Um, but you know, watching him in Vancouver, and I remember when they when they brought him over. You know, there was a bit of a big deal. You know that he was going there uh, at the time. He'd had you know two reasonably good seasons as a you know a, a bottom six guy and in um, in Pittsburgh, and I remember the excitement around that. Um, and you know, I think just the last few years, you know, with where Vancouver is in the standings, he just you know he gets lost in the shuffle, and you, you just he's just not a player that I I watch. So you know, it's, if he was a top six guy in Vancouver, then I'd probably be able to talk more about him. But you know, the Oilers are are clearly needing well not clearly but they're they you know would like a couple more upgrades maybe on the bottom six and and uh that's what these ptos are for see if a guy like sutter who maybe regains some of what he did he's he's been pretty good on the um face off he's uh you know he's um you know he's like a solid bottom six guy i i don't know i don't know enough about him but you know, you, I you watched him play quite a bit yeah. in uh Red Deer when he had when
1: I had uh Oil King season tickets. And I mean that's a long time ago, and he's a first round pick, but I think more or less what this ultimately comes down to is there's just absolutely squat out there for centers that are PTO available, really. And there's a few, and I'd say they're on the soft side. Um, at least Brandon Sutter comes with some grit and a little bit of tenacity. You know the last name kind of says it all, I would say, yeah fair. Uh, you know six six three one nineties uh he's only thirty four years old uh right shot center, you know, I think that's important, and ultimately, whose job do you have to take Lane Peterson
0: yeah i mean that that's the that's the area right that's up for grabs right now, like nobody's a hundred percent sure on Lane Peterson. Uh, Good on the penalty team, and and you know why not Sutter? Right, if Sutter can come in and earn that spot, then why not Sutter? Right, there's um you know I I think with the any PTO you just kind of hope a guy comes in and and plays his way onto the lineup or somebody by way of competition just makes themselves known as as the guy that's going to run into the into the. Um, new season as the fourth line center and there's not going to be a lot of space for a guy like Sutter uh, in the league right now. Right. Like if he, you know, he's kind of getting that, uh, how old is he now? He's actually been around 34 longer than, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say it's been around longer than I even think I, I knew 34. Yeah. 770 games in the league uh, in since 2008. Um, So yeah. So, you know, there's not, it's not like a huge market for these guys, right? Yeah. And if he can come in and play even, you know, 40 games and do it when a guy like Peterson might not be able to go play the whole 80s, then I think. Better than going back to the farm and Viking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good old Alberta boy. They took off yeah. the uh, on a on a non-hockey related note, they took <laughs> off the home of nickelback sign off of uh, Yeah. Alberta. I saw that. <laughs> Speaking of
1: zero F's to get, <laughs> thanks for that. Oh man. All right. Uh, it was causing traffic it was causing traffic jams in Hannah while I people know. pulled Oh over yeah, Hannah. I was saying Brooks, but
0: Hannah. Hannah, Alberta. Sorry. Sorry to those of you. It's all right. Hannah.
1: Hannah's offended, and Brooke smells like shit. That's right. It's just fine.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you go nose blind if you spend any bit of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you go nose blind pretty quick, or it's you or you go crazy. Hey, I grew up in the chicken capital of Canada. I know all about being nose blind.
0: <laughs> Good old Alberta and Saskatchewan boys. Hey. Uh, Angel says Perry Nelson from USA Today has Skinner on the hot seat, Campbell on the warm seat, and McDavid on the cold seat. I don't even know what that would mean. Sorry, Angel, but um, how anybody yeah, can put McDavid on fill the cold us in buddy. Seat would be beyond me. Yeah. Or think that I'd watch USA? <laughs> yeah, some of those, some of those guys NHL is a part time gig for them, and uh, yeah. and if they put uh, McDavid on the cold seat, is a clear <laughs>
1: indication they don't watch a lot
0: of That's hockey. Right. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be on the uh, cold seat for. <laughs> for the NHL for a while. Uh we've we'll got Calmeyer um, on a cold seat too. Bouchard if he comes in at the 2 times 3.9 million. What's your thoughts on that contract?
1: Uh the second year becomes a f- flipping fantastic deal. I would think that we're going to get a Bouchard that quarterbacks the best power play in the league and gets himself 40 to 50 power play points and 20 or so 5 on 5 points and ultimately drive a price that probably should have been seven or eight. So this year it'll be tight. Uh, Next year it'll be a deal. And then we're going to pay for it through the nose like we did with Nurse. And then everybody's going to bitch about it. And and poor Bouchard will probably be hated for it, given our fan base. But let's hope that's not the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is the, uh, I think uh, 3.9 is going to be the number and um but i i think what's left to be decided is how those details pan out um of course they uh backloaded so the the qualifying offers uh larger at the end of the second year um you know uh, obviously comparables were keandre miller right uh was one and his was i think 3.8 if i'm not mistaken uh right.
1: 5, yeah, 3. 6, around, I think Bo it was Byram around
0: 3.8 and then Bowen Byram same thing around 3.8. So, you know, would you put those guys in the same boat? Yeah, you know, for sure, why not? I you, wouldn't actually. No, you wouldn't. No,
1: no not yet. No. I think? Don't, Bo and Bowen Byram in a year or two maybe. I just think mm, Bouchard just once Barry got traded, what like he was excellent is everything we could ask for. He set a record for power play points in the playoffs by a defenseman. man. Like, What else do we want?
0: On a power play with McDavid and Drysdale and Nuge?
1: Oh, here we go. <laughs> Driving the bus out of town for Bouchard because he's a power play merchant. That's right. That's
0: right. We've got the bus. We've got the bus See. running. I think I saw some clips from the Oilers Nation today. Some Somebody <laughs> mentioned uh, they thought he was like the the new Justin Schultz. <laughs> well, if he gets a high contract,
1: he might be or the new Horkoff, or the new nurse or whatever you want to call it. And it'll be sad because these guys earn their contracts when they're de- these bridge contracts their bridge. They're earning their money when they get these bridge contracts. And I don't know. You know, we're getting a deal on these guys. I think nurse played above his pay for four years before we had to slightly overpay him. And I'm not even sure it's debatable we are overpaying
0: them so. yeah yeah i mean this time you know you've seen maybe a small sample of what bouchard brings to the table on what was an extremely yeah. hot power play right um yeah. i think it's you know it's a risk Any time is a risk right you know if you go 3.9 and if you end up with uh probably around 4.5 in that second year and that's your uh, qualifying offer. I you know, I don't think that he's that far of he- ahead of Keandre Miller and Bowen Byram. I do agree he's a slight notch ahead of them, but not um, not that far ahead. Uh, I do, you know, I'm not, you know, as, as you throw at the straw man there, I'm not trying to, you know, drive him out of town. But certainly, yeah. you know... Y- we'd probably wouldn't be surprised if you put nurse on the back end and he ended up with a career year and points, uh, whoever is going to be quarterbacking that power play from the, from the point is, is going to get points. Right. Um, yeah. you know, and so, uh, is it worth it? I, like, I love watching Bouchard. Uh, I don't know how he does it. He just seems to, stick handle around guys in the most awkward of way it's it's not like smooth like Connor mcdavid but somehow he's got the puck on his stick at the end of it all and and that whether it's that um it seems like his slap shot takes forever to wind up and 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 release but he still manages to get that puck off and it's you know i'm i'm still convinced uh you know somebody's gonna get injured getting in the way so I yeah. oh,
1: did injure uh somebody in the w- one of the russians in from Colorado, who was the uh, oh yeah in the playoffs yeah. anyways um you know, I also think that well, that's the bouche bomb. I also think that he's you know you said he's got it a weird way of stick handling through people and it's awkward and it's not always smooth like that also lends into his shot delivery. He seems to get these odd snapshots off you know from odd angles and with his hands you know close together or far apart or weird ways of protecting the puck and getting the shot off still. And he always has pepper on it. doesn't matter. He's like Austin Matthews a little bit that way. I mean, I'm, it's not Austin Matthews. To get yeah. A
0: different shot to get altogether, on, but, but I get what you're saying, yeah. but the way he can get it off in different ways. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's a risk, right? I mean, you don't know how much of that, uh, was, but Hey, look, if he stays on that power play with McDavid and dry and Nuge. For the next five to eight years and he continues to get high points as he did. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. He's worth it, right? He's worth it if as long yeah. as he can continue to do that. And, you know, Eckholm's there to shield any defensive uh gaps that he might make. And I thought he was better defensively, um, at the second half of the season. I think he does better uh and will continue to upgrade in that uh, as he gets, you know, more mature. I loved what um jack michaels had to say about these guys becoming adults not just about them you know necessarily yeah, wanting it anymore but just growing up right you know and that um you know that's key yeah. right and
1: and, and they the are in the same community
0: out. too and you know nurses kids are playing with
1: Ekholm's kids at the playground and you know like eccom just had their fourth or all live within 10 blocks of each other like you know it's not it's not party time anymore it's almost akin to the 80s Oilers, right when the party stopped and Gretzky went home that one summer and Walter slapped him upside the head and said, stop all the shenanigans and went back and they all became men.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's, it's very much like that. And you kind of grow a, a foundation for a team, which I think we're, you know, we're starting to put together yeah. It's it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else we got to talk about uh, Oilers wise, anything you want to uh, chat about? I don't think so, buddy. I said we covered
1: probably, uh, the little bit of what's out there for, for the short term. And, you know, just, uh, I'm still kind of buzzing from having Jack on uh, to steal his phrase. The pleasure was all ours, obviously. And that was an honor, um, outside of that. Yeah. I don't know. Thanks for having me this weekend, buddy. It was fun being out there.
0: Yep. For those that don't know, Dash came out to Halifax. We, uh, toured around Nova Scotia a little bit, had some fun. talk some hockey of course got muddy got a little bit muddy yep uh, did some whitewater rafting on the Shubenacadie river which is uh one of the only places you can uh if uh, maybe the only place the only place whitewater yep. rafting on the tide as it comes in uh we do have one question here in the chat how many games do you think xavier plays this season that's funny because we we actually talked about him we did. Uh, Well, yeah, we had a short conversation about him when, 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 when you were out here. We were talking about Maverick Bork, actually. And, and just Bork, yeah.
1: we were talking about Maverick Bork. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's ultimately however Xavier Borko plays when he's called up. I mean, honestly, if he's given that opportunity and can somehow magically play in a top six or middle six role as a scoring winger and keep producing, then... He could probably play 30 or 40 games if he's going to need some maturity in the AHL, which I assume he probably will, then that opportunity will probably go more to a guy like Hall- Holloway. And I'd say Borgo gets about five, maybe eight games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Guys in Borgo's situation, uh, if your team's doing well, you know, they don't benefit on the, at the NHL level coming to play because they're you know maybe a black ace yeah some and somebody's got to get injured for them to get any games and like he's mm-hmm. you know there's no i meant to say no that. value in in having him in the bottom six
1: he uh, gets 15 20 games yeah. if they run into four or five injured wingers around the same time yeah
0: some strangers
1: i'm not even sure he's the first call up with
0: you know, some stranger says he'll be a trade chip and uh funny we kind of well we talk talked about, about that, that didn't yeah. we michael yeah, yeah we did talk about that i mean there's um you know a couple of these guys you got to figure a couple of these young prospects are going to be trade chips uh yeah. come deadline time if yeah. not before and, and borgo might be one of those guys Yep. Yeah. In fact, that uh, was—I think—that's exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about him. Um, I saw him play when he was in the queue. It was a little bit unfair because you know he was ready to play at the pro level. Uh, His final year Mm -hmm. in the queue, he just looked—I would—I don't want to say uninterested, but he just—you could tell it was um, not the level that he should be playing at. And so he's—you know—he's being successful at the pro level. I think he'll, I think he'll be an NHLer. I really do. It might not be with yep. the Oilers just given where we're yep. at. Yeah.
1: That's fair. I made a note earlier, so I lied. There is something else I want to talk about. All right. Uh, we had a comment earlier, way back, um, when Jack was on and I'm sure he was wanting to ask it to him, but I know you have had this conversation, um, when you were a guest on another podcast, uh, but you and I have. Not really had a chance to have this little conversation. I think I might kind of disagree with you. So, um, Jack Jensen earlier asked, "Do you think the Oilers are better this upcoming season than last year?" And I know that you mentioned on a previous podcast that you don't think that the Oilers are better um, at this point in time. No, I well, that's not exactly. the season. Have you come around on that? No,
0: no, that's not exactly my words. I just okay. I, well, I didn't think. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I don't think they're much better, not sizably better, right? Like not enough. Like it's, you know, if they are better, there's not enough to, you know, you're talking like, you know, points of percentages. Um, so no, I haven't come around on that. I I still think that's the same. Um, I, um, however, saying that, I mean, you know, it's, it's like Jack said, or not, yeah, like Jack, <laughs> Jack not Jack Jensen, but like Jack Michael yeah. said. I mean, this is a right. team that's been around year after year after year for, you know, a few years now, right? Um, and, um, you know, the guys have grown, uh, so there's some maturity there. There are certain things that will be better about this team. You, They were close last year. It's like you said, right? I mean, you know, a, a couple of scoring plays difference from maybe being the team that enters the uh, as the team from the West. So, yep. you know. Did they need to be a whole lot better? Maybe not even, right? Like they they uh there's a couple of things they changed. I think they, you know, they're another year with Ekholm. So you know, with that having said, like a full year, they're gonna be better on that on that part. Um, but from the team that went into the playoffs to the team we have today, yeah. I know. we're still talking about who's gonna be a fourth line center, right? The top six is yeah. more or less the same, depending on where, what happens with Connor Brown, right? Like either he is some, you know, uh, <laughs> big change, which I don't think he will be. I think, you know, I think this, um, top six is, is going to be pretty close to what we had last year, uh, minus Yamamoto, which I think is an upgrade maybe. So maybe they are a little better, but no, I, I just don't. It's just not sizable enough that you know, and if somebody gets injured again, we're back in the same spot, right? So, yeah, and I think most
1: people's argument fall on this whole oh Connor Brown's just such a huge improvement, and he's Hyman light, and his motor's gonna push his teammates just like Hyman does, and this can elevate us to another level. And I'm not not believing in that, but we're would probably start to be my debate with you, um, I do think they're better. I think they're better right now for a couple of reasons. I think they're better because we'll have 82 games of back home.
0: Yeah, but that's, I'm Flat saying out. the team that went into the playoffs last year, is it better than that team? Yeah. Like yeah, we it's had home
2: going into the playoffs. It's it's still
1: right there because M- Yamamoto's never been the a playoff performer. You know I'm a big fan of his. You know I'm a fan of what he does on the ice. But if we have a guy in the playoffs like Brown that can do that, um, be healthy and with size, then yeah, that is an improvement. And ultimately I think the younger players like Nima Linen and Deharney and uh, Holloway and some of them, McLeod should all take another step. Um, it's just a natural progression that they do. Uh, So that said, I think just the, the pure improvement of our young players and uh, Jack Michaels spoke to the maturity of the adultization of the core. So I believe those things all do matter. And they add up. (laughs) Hey, right. So I I do, I think they are better. uh, And I'm going to, you know, add, to that was saying that I think that the team that we start the year with will not be the team that we go into the playoffs with. Yeah, and
0: that's exactly what I said. I I mean yeah. that's you that know, part we agree yeah. on. I mean and I, I don't think we're that like I think you're making more out of what I said than than what I said. I just don't think this team is, you know <laughs> how long have you known me? That's, that's what I did. Yeah, I know. That's what, <laughs> that's what do. Like I, you know, it's this is um this is still a good team right last year's team was still a good team did we think they could have made it to the final last year yeah hell yeah you know um and they almost did right they were close uh close doesn't matter much um this team again same sort of thing uh you know there's um a lot of different you know a lot of different players i i just i don't think that um losing Yamamoto is a big deal and and gaining Connor Brown, you know, is great, but we don't, the the challenge is we don't know what Connor Brown's really going to bring, but if he, if he brings anything, like if that chemistry from junior is there still, which, you know, we talked about that at length on, on the last podcast and the one before that, you know, if that chemistry is at all there, oh man, look out. Right. Like if there if there is anything approaching having uh, McDavid and Drysital play, you know one and two for a full season and never having, having to go, as we call it, the nuclear option. Uh, yeah. What if <laughs> this team's? Unreal. What if Brown is Kunitz? What yeah. if Brown is Kunitz? Yeah. I mean, well, you just don't know, right? And and so, did changes need to be made? Absolutely. Did uh, Ken yeah. Holland come through and make those changes? Yes, he did. Hope so. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I mean, that's... Um, that story needs yeah, to be written. while why uh, we played the game. Yeah. Uh, some stranger says last year's team really struggled in the first half of the season. And they did. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, that's, you know, it's... That's every
1: Oilers every year. and Yeah. They struggle in the first part of games. They struggle in the first part of series. That's just the team that needs to get slapped in the face before they slap back. Just I've, been
0: our culture. Um, I mean, that's a, that'd be a, maybe a topic for another night, but I feel like that's a conversation worth having. Like as, as this team goes with some consistency with coaching, which we haven't had yeah. ever until yep. now, right? So we, yep. we keep talking about having Ekholm for another season. What about having Woodcroft mm-hmm. for another season? Yeah. Not to exactly. mention how, him improving as well. Yeah. Like Woodcroft, you know, I think we're lucky to have a guy that continues to improve, that doesn't just sit and, mm-hmm. and uh, say, I'm good with the kind of coach that I am. Like anytime you mm-hmm. listen to him, he's, you know, he's a, a student of the craft. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have him. I'm happy to have him for multiple years and and build relationships mm-hmm. with these players and. And understand, you know, and um I I like his system. Obviously, the you know, the between all the coaching staff, the power plays doing the right things, (laughs) you know, hard to argue that. Um, so you know, uh and McDavid had his best year ever under Woodcroft. Look, there's a lot of reasons, I guess, you know, to upgrade where I said. Um just on paper, I just don't think they're like ten times better or anything like that. But they're marginally better uh, no yeah. that's fair yeah all right we're at the hour and uh you know anytime you have jack michaels on the show it's awesome it's awesome yeah if you want to uh go check out uh my twitter account at oilers live we're going to do a little hockey bracket uh but for oilers pups so check that out merlin's got a little message for you Uh you can can check that out, make sure you turn the volume up. Uh doing stupid shit uh you know during the middle of the day. Um so that was fun. Uh yeah, anyway, post your uh post your pups pictures. We'll get you um we'll get you a heavy hockey prize pack uh after we do the bracket. See who um see who uh see who wins that. Uh Angel said it perfectly. Don't forget to hit the like button. Make sure you hit subscribe. Hit follow, hit like, hit subscribe. Go to heavyhockey.com. Uh we had a shout out today by Oilers After Dark. Uh, said we're uh one of the best uh sites for Oilers content. Uh you know what? Humbly, uh I'll just say the guys um the guys are writing uh great stuff. Lotsy, Eric, it's all Josh, about the team. Yeah. like uh, uh, Kirk, you name it. All of these guys are just doing great work. And then uh, the fantasy, fantasy hockey, hockey guys, Hacks. yeah, they continue to pump up, uh, pump out some uh, great content if you're into fantasy hockey. Um, and, you know, as, I, as I've always said, just stay tuned. I mean, lots more is happening at Heavy Hockey. Uh, we're just going to keep doing what we do and, and add to what we do. So uh, that's enough from me. I will uh, pass it off to Mr. Dash in the park, who has been probably dying to get the last word for about, well, guaranteed for the last five days. Cause he never got the last word while he was here. <laughs> you can imagine. Um, uh, yeah. Dash, funny. I'll leave you with the last word. You know, the drill, everybody else have a great night. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect any last words, so I don't have anything planned. And, you know, we got all these rock star guests lately. Uh, privy to our, our Jack Michaels tonight was uh, Alan Tide Mitchell and Bruce McCurdy on our previous episode. Uh, if you're new to the show tonight, go back on, on YouTube or anywhere where you can find podcasts and go and listen to that one. And before then, we had some of the producers from TSN 1260 with. Matthew Wanick and Connor Halley and Jeff Walker and Hernan Salas. Uh, so, we're going to try and keep bringing you the, the big hitters and hopefully this keeps growing. So, we really appreciate um, all of our regulars, some stranger, Angel, um, Renegade, Black Mazakari, Octane, Jay, Jack, all you guys. Just keep tuning in. We love you. Um, honest to crap if it's not just saying something to say please subscribe we're we're not saying it because we don't want you to do it if you're watching on youtube right now and you haven't hit the subscribe button i'm gonna find you hit it hit your notifier button and when that notifier bell goes off you're gonna know every tuesday at nine o'clock we're hitting the air and you won't miss it um let me close with this um you mentioned woodcroft earlier Uh, there's a couple of polls I put out recently and and I'll maybe touch on those, uh, you know, we're on the last word so nobody else can comment. But that said, if you've watched the show now or after, let me know in the comments. I want to go back and and look after and see what everybody thinks, but I'm going to predict two things here. The Bruins are going to take a bit of a dive. I believe everybody should suspect that with given their losses of Taylor Hall and Bergeron and Krejci. And it's pretty much a, a top line. Like Jack said, their captain, Woodcroft holds the second best record in the NHL since he was hired. Uh, That was eclipsed only by the Boston Bruins that broke a record for being the best team in the history of hockey last year. Given they take a bit of a a decline and the Oilers continue to be the consistent team that they are in the Western Conference, I'm going to say that by the end of this season, Woodcroft has the best record in the NHL over the time that he's been coaching and since he was hired. And if that's the case, we're lucky to have them. The other prediction I'm going to make was a poll I put out earlier today. Um, I found it interesting when I was just doing a little bit of research as I was in the airport. Um, Wayne Gretzky finished with the Edmonton Oilers in total points with 1,667 points for the Edmonton Oilers. In and f- eight seasons, pardon me, with uh, the Oilers, Connor McDavid has scored 850 points. So he's about halfway there for, for rough math. By the time 97 is done as an Euler, I, I do believe he will surpass Wayne Gretzky as the highest scoring Edmonton Euler of all time. Um, so I'm going to leave with that. You guys let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, please subscribe, please
2: like, please keep tuning in, go to heavyhockey.com and good night. Редактор Podcast